good morning. We're worshiping here today, aren't we? Man, you can, you can feel that. You can sense that. God's Spirit is here and moving, and I am just so thankful. So thank you guys for being here. Uh, no matter how you're here, we have people here that are in the room, and we have people that are online, and so we are glad that you are here with us us and worshiping God together. So uh, I want to tag really quick off of what Ryan Meester said earlier. Next week, I'm so glad you're here, and next week we have something amazing again, and we are getting ready to start a brand new journey as a church, a journey that we've that we've, that we've, ne- we've never, never taken before, and we're going to kind of throw that out there, and I'm going to share something that's really, really important uh, in the life of our church, and so I'm going to share that next week, and that's why we've kind of been building up. This is why we're bringing in Crescendo uh, Coffee Bar, which for me, I don't care because I don't like coffee. I don't like to drink it or smell it, but I know that like the vast majority of you do, and so I'm so glad you're going to get your latte um, and enjoy it, right? Okay, that's great. All right, you guys are good. But seriously, I, like, I, I, I kind of making fun, but seriously, I know that's like a big deal. And, and you're like, man, how the coffee tastes matters and what it looks like and all that kind of stuff. And so I'm glad that we're doing that, uh, but we're going to have some games. We're going to have some other stuff. It's going to look different in here. Um, we're just, we're kicking this off. So be here. Also, make sure you get here early. As you know, lattes take a little more time than just you know, throw the thing in, right? And so get here early so you can kind of get that and enjoy that, and uh, we're going to have a good time. All right. So we are in the midst of a series. We're actually at the end of a series. It's a short series. It's been three weeks uh, in this series called Checkmate. And what we've been doing is we've been taking the game of chess as our metaphor for faith and life, and we've been talking about how chess is kind of that parallel, And so the first week we learned and we talked about that we are in a constant epic spiritual battle. You are in in the midst of a battle between two opponents. And these two opponents are God and Satan. They are battling over something really, really important. It's the most valuable piece on the board and that piece is you. God and Satan are battling over you. And then last week we talked about specifically what that means. They are battling for you because you are a soul. It's not so much that we have a soul. You are a soul. You are an eternal being. It doesn't mean you didn't have a beginning. You did. You had a beginning. But what it does mean is that you will not have an end. You will not end. We are eternal beings because God created us in his image as a soul. And the soul is how we describe the eternal part of who we are. It's what makes us a person. Every one of us is a soul. And so we've been talking about this. And today I want to kind of land the plane on this series by simply talking about the battle itself. I want to give us two very important reminders about the battles that we face in this life. We face some serious battles. I know we all do. And so let's talk about the battle and some reminders in that. And I'm going to use a very well-known story. It's been quite a long time since I've preached on this story. And, uh, and so God brought this one to my plate this week. And I wasn't sure if that was the one I was going to use. There was two or three in the, in the possibilities. And so I'm going to talk about David and Goliath here today. 
And this is like one of those, I, I told uh, my son Tanner that I was going to talk about David and Goliath. He's like, Dad, that's my favorite story. Cool. He still chose to go to the kids' classes, though. <laughs> but we're going to talk about David and Goliath. And I want to talk about David and Goliath. And I'm just going to summarize the story. The truth is I'm not going to dig into the actual story itself other than summarizing it. So if you want a detailed walk through the story, I am sorry already. You're going to be disappointed. But what I want to do is I'm going to focus on a couple of midpoint things in the middle of the story. But let me summarize it real quick to catch us all up on the story itself. So the nation of Israel has been threatened. They are being attacked by an army from Philistia, the Philistines. And so the Philistines have gathered their army on one side of a valley and the Israelite army is on the other side of a valley. So just imagine kind of two ridges and they're standing on the edges of each of this valley and they're looking at each other with this valley in between. And every day... This giant, massive man from the Philistine army steps out. His name is Goliath. And he steps out in front of the two armies, and every, he does this every day, and he comes out and he starts making fun of God. He starts mocking God and mocking their faith. Makes fun of them. And then he ends, every day, he ends with a challenge. He says, here's my proposal. You guys choose one of your best fighters and you send him out to meet me and then we will fight. And then Goliath says, if I defeat your guy, then you and your nations, your nation will become slaves to us. But if your guy kills me, then ours nation will be your slaves. The stakes are pretty high on that, right? And so Goliath, he's standing there. He's a massive man. He's been trained since his youth. He knows what he's doing. He's got, he's got weapons and armor to the hilt. He is a menacing dude. So this goes on for several weeks. The Bible tells us 40 days this happens every single day. Goliath comes out, makes fun of God, issues his challenge. Until one day, a father sends a teenage boy we know he was a teenager. We don't know exactly what age he was. We know he was a teenager. He was definitely less than 20 years old. So he's a teenager, and his father sends David, this teenager, to the front lines to deliver supplies and food to his three older brothers. And so he goes there, and he delivers the food and supplies. And wouldn't you know it, it just so happened that while David was there, Goliath steps out and starts making fun of God and issuing his challenge. Well, David, this teenager, is standing there listening to this guy, and he starts looking around. He starts with his brothers, but then he goes to everybody else, and he's like, why is nobody fighting this guy? He's making fun of our faith. He's making fun of our nation. Somebody's got to put this guy in his place. For 40 days, nobody has. And so David realizes nobody's going to step up to face Goliath. And so David says, all right, I will. And so David, there's a whole series of things. He goes, sees the king. The king is like, are you sure you want to do this? Okay, if you do, here's my armor. He puts it like, that doesn't fit. And so David walks out into the valley to meet Goliath, catch this, in his normal clothes with a sling, a leather sling. It was kind of had two ends. It had a little pocket in the middle. And you'd put a projectile in there, stones, rock, you know, whatever you can. And, and, and so David has this leather sling and then five smooth stones that he picked up from a stream. That's all he's got. 
And this teenager walks out in front of Goliath. So he's like here and he's on the other side of the valley and Goliath steps out to meet him. And then they have this conversation. I'll get to that in a minute. And I'm going to tell you the end of the story. This is terrible storytelling. I'm giving you the whole story away already. But if you have heard anything of David and Goliath, you know what happens, right? David, after they're done having this conversation, David takes a stone and he puts it in the sling and he starts running at Goliath. He does not hang back and like set in defensive mode. He runs at Goliath. And while he's going, he's got the sling going. And when he gets into the perfect range, whatever that was, and David knew, he let that rock fly. And the Bible tells us it hit Goliath directly in the middle of the forehead and it sunk in which means it crushed his skull. Goliath falls face down. Goliath just hits. <clears throat> You've heard the phrase, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. It must have been a big fall. And then we usually leave this part out when we tell it in the kids' classes, but David goes up and he cuts his head off. And he takes Goliath's head to the king and he says, there you go. Now, we could focus on a lot of things in that story, and some of you are like, ooh, that's a little more gruesome than I remember it. It's because they told you the kid's version, right? In the little kid's Bible, Goliath is usually just falling over. They have the little things where the, the stone glanced off him. They don't show that it went, like, into his head, and then they don't show, you know, David standing there like, yeah, look at that. Well, kids, look what God can do, you know? <laughs> Right? But this is the truth. If you, you can read this. 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's all in there. I'm not making any of this up. I'm not telling a, a better version of what the Bible did. The Bible tells all of this. But what I want to do today is I want to focus on the, the conversation in the middle. We know what happened. David faces Goliath. Go, Goliath falls. David kills him. And they defeat the Philistines. We know that story. What I want to talk about is what happened in the middle. What did David say to Goliath before he killed him? You want to know what that is? Oh, that's going to be good. A teenager talking to this massive warrior? Yeah, I want to hear that. It's going to be good. And out of these two things, we're going to get two reminders. They're going to be really important for you and I when we are facing battles in our own life. Our own Goliaths, so to speak. So let's go to the first thing. So Goliath, when they first come out to meet each other, Goliath does what he normally does. He makes fun of David. He says, oh, they're sending a boy to do a man's work. You know, all kinds. Like he's just making fun of him, making fun of God. He's mocking him. And then when he's done, this is the first thing that David says. This is the first thing that comes out of his mouth. I love this. 1 Samuel 17, 45. David says to Goliath, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. David steps up and he says, oh yeah, you've got all your weapons. I've got something too. I've got the Lord of heaven's armies. I've got the Lord who backs us up. And it gives us this really, really important first reminder. And that first reminder is this. Reminder number one is this. The best weapons aren't always visible. Oh man, we need that though. 
Like, I know, like, and I, as soon as I said that, as soon as it came on the screen, you're like, I know that. But do we? Do we live like our best weapons against the battles that we are facing are actually not necessarily visible? Or do you believe that the weapons that God has already given to you, we just heard from Brittany's story, right? All these gifts, all these skills, they're leading somewhere. Where are they leading? So that you can fight the battles that you're called to face. The weapons you've been given are already sufficient for you. Let me, let me kind of get this. So let's say that David walks into a room, right? Or let's say you're facing Goliath. You walk into a room and you see spears and javelins and swords and you see shields. Maybe you see a catapult. Maybe you see a trebuchet. I'm just kidding. I'm getting into medieval warfare now. You know I was a history teacher. I love this stuff. I'm like, I can see these things. Okay, whatever. You have all this whole array of some of the best weapons in ancient warfare at your disposal and then you walk in and you're kind of looking around like man that's awesome Ooh, that could do some damage that'd be great and then you see there's a leather sling that fell off the table somewhere in the corner you're like yeah i'll take that it's gonna be awesome sometimes the weapons that god wants us to use doesn't make any sense to the world true. Sometimes the weapons that God wants us to take with us, the world says, isn't even a weapon. It's not going to do anything. It's not relevant. The truth is, sometimes we discount what God is doing and what God has given to us because it's not as visible. And so we set it aside because we don't think it's relevant for this physical world. And what God is saying to us is in reality, it's better. It's better. The Apostle Paul kind of explains this. Take you to the New Testament. So we could stick with the Old Testament, but let's go to the New Testament for just a minute. So the Apostle Paul actually shares this very same thing, that the weapons we have are built for the battles that we're facing. And one of the biggest reminders we need is what kind of a battle are we facing? What are we dealing with in this life on this planet? Listen to what he says in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. He's writing to brand new Christians in Ephesus. It's the, the, a letter to the Ephesians. This is, the, this is how he ends it, by the way. These are his final words. So you can tell this is really important. That's, this is how he lands the plane in his letter. He says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all not just some, not a few, not most, all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Our battle is not physical. Now, let's be honest. Some of you are like, ah, I don't know. When, when somebody mocks me at work or somebody gossips about me, man, it feels personal. I feel it physically. When, when, when you get let go at work or your job is headed the wrong way or something, man, it feels physical, doesn't it? it feel, you feel the emotion. It feels like it's very real in this world. Yeah, we live in a very physical world and we feel it physically, emotionally, mentally, relationally. 
But that doesn't mean that there's not a very spiritual battle going on behind it, which is what's feeding all of that. So the question is, well, what do we do about it? Well, the question needs to be answered with the right answer, which is we need to take the right weapons into the battle. And Paul gives us those. You probably figured this is where we're going. Very next verse. Listen to what he says. So that's the battle we're in. Then he says this, therefore, or as a result, put on every piece of God's armor. So you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. In fact, just stop there for a moment. We tend to discount these things because I can't show you, like, physically. I can't be like, here's truth, right? I'm taking truth into battle with me. I can't show you that. And so we discount righteousness and we discount truth. But let, let's, just, let's just get real for a minute. When you are facing somebody that's trying to call you out or they're trying to throw you under the bus and maybe they're telling lies about you, what is your best weapon against that? Isn't it truth? Instead, you know what we do? We employ the world's tactics. And you know what that is? Revenge. I'm going to hit them harder. I'm going to hurt them more than they hurt me. And then maybe they'll go away. Instead of using truth. Truth is our best weapon. If we're dealing with a mental health crisis, depression, things like that, this is the worst season for, for mental health. January to March. By far. What is the hardest thing about mental health and anxiety and social anxiety and depression, all that stuff? A lot of us deal with that. What's the hardest part about it? Seeing reality. Isn't it? Seeing truth. It's getting outside of our own head and realizing I'm not worthless. My brain's telling me I am, but I'm not. Truth is your best weapon. Put on the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. The good news is simply Jesus, his salvation. He died on the cross. He rose from the grave for you. We can't have peace if we don't realize that peace has been offered. If we are simply looking at the physical world, we're not going to see a lot of peace. There's a spiritual peace and depth underneath it. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith. Let me ask you this. Why did David, a teenager, go and face Goliath when nobody else would? Who was the best trained there physically according to the world? Who was the best well trained? It wasn't David. All these, we had hundreds, we had thousands of soldiers that were highly trained with all the weapons they're supposed to have to be able to defeat this guy that is defying Israel. So why, of all of those people, the one that was least trained walked up and faced Goliath? You know why? Because he had the weapon that nobody could see, and that weapon is called faith. David brought faith, and he chose to, chose to believe in it. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit. That's this. We don't talk about this as the sword very often, although we've mentioned it in Northridge many times. This is the sword of the Spirit, and a sword does two things. It can defend you, and it can go on the offensive if it has to. It can go against Satan on the attack, but it can also defend you against the attacks of Satan. This is your sword. It's intimidating. It might be scary, but this is your best weapon. 
for the battles that you're facing. Now, I wonder sometimes if we feel like we're constantly fighting battles in this life and we never get out of the battles because we're using the wrong weapons. We need to start taking some of this armor and weapon of God seriously. Okay. Let's keep going on. I could keep rolling, but let's, let's move on to the second reminder, all right? This one's actually a little bit quicker because it's a little bit simpler, but it's probably just as important, maybe even more important. When we get to this, now remember, David says, hey, you come to me sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. So, so just imagine, did you, can you imagine that? Like everybody's wondering what this, teen, they're, they're, they're about to watch this teenager just get killed. Right? I mean, that's, that's what both armies are thinking. This, this teenager walks out to Goliath, and, and they're like, oh, this is going to go bad. Right? And then David says, oh, you come to me with all these amazing weapons? Well, guess who I come in? I come in the name of the Lord. And everybody's like, oh, man, this is going to be bad. But David didn't think it was going to be bad. He said, oh, I've got the best weapon here. And so this is what he says at the end. He tells Goliath what he's going to do to him. I'm going to kill you, cut off your head, all that stuff. Okay? He, sa- he says that before he does it. He, he says it and then he does it. That's how much faith David had. Okay? He told him what he was going to do and then he did it. Okay? Then this is how he ends. Catch this. This is really, really important. Verse 47. And everyone assembled here, David said, will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. Catch this. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. Reminder two, I hope you take this and walk out with this today. Reminder two, the battle belongs to God. The battle belongs to God. It is his battle. So, uh, one day when I was in high school, I was a high school student. Uh, I grew up going to high school in Eau Claire, went to a large high school at uh, Eau Claire Memorial. And we have this rival school north um, on the other end of town, the other end of town, you know, the wrong side of town, whatever. Uh, we, we, were, we were bitter rivals, Memorial and North. If you're from Eau Claire and you, and you know anything about that area, it's like, yeah, they're in the same city. Let's go. And uh, we go to sports. I, I'm, I'm way off, but seriously, we go to sporting events and like it would be basically a fight and a sporting event would break out every now and then. Like, that's just kind of how we, we were rivals, okay? And so every now and then we bump into people, and it can get serious. And so uh, this one day, I am with two other of my friends at McDonald's in, in Eau Claire. And this McDonald's is kind of in between North and Memorial, our high schools. And uh, I, I want to tell you a couple things about, uh, something about my two friends, because it's important to the story. So my one friend uh, played as an offensive lineman in football in high school. He was so good that he got to play in college, and he was so good in college that he actually got to try out for two different NFL football teams. He didn't make the NFL football teams, but he was good enough that they let him into the tryouts. That tells you how good he is. That's really, really good. Like, he's in the top 1%, okay? And, and it also tells you, by the way, of how big he is. My friend was serious. 
Like he was big, he was muscly, like he was all there. All right. And then my other friend uh, was a dairy farmer and also moonlighted like sometimes evening shifts working at a Walmart distribution center. Okay. These are two very big, very strong, very menacing, two of the strongest people that I've ever known. Okay, and they're, 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 so these are the two friends that I have with me, and I'm, I'm thankful what I'm about to say. Okay, so we're on our way out of McDonald's, and on the way in, there's five other boys. Okay, and I don't know who said what. I seriously don't, but something was said. I don't know if they started it or one of my friends started. I can tell you I didn't start these things because I didn't look like these guys, right? It was, I was glad to be friends with them. And somebody said something, and all of a sudden, and I was, I was, on the, I was the third guy out going out of McDonald's, and whatever was said, all of a sudden it got really intense, and those five guys all turned around, and you, you know the, two, the, the set of double doors in between, like the airlocks, you know, so we're in that zone, right? And I'm in the middle of that. The five guys turn around, and their fists are ready like this, and I'm in between, and my friends are back here, and I'm like, oh no, this is not going well. Right? And I'm in the middle of this. And I, I, I kid you not, eyes are big, nostrils are going. Like you talk about nostrils flared, they were flared. Okay? And, and fl- fists are sitting here just like this. And I, I'm, not, I'm not clenching because I'm like, I'm hoping this doesn't go down because I'm in the middle. Right? And so I'm just, I'm like, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. And all of a sudden, this is all a matter of a few seconds. All of a sudden, I feel this massive hand on my, oh, come over my shoulder and grab my chest and throw me backwards. And my two friends step in front. They shove me back and they step in front. And then the one who almost made the NFL football team, he goes nose to nose with the, the front of their guy. And he's not looking at him. He's looking down at him because my, my guy is, he's there, right? And he's looking down, but they're nose to nose. Like, it's, it is a moment where it, it is going to go badly. And you know what happens? Those five guys, after a few seconds, and by the way, I can't remember exactly what my friend said, but it was something along the lines of, do you really want to do this? And I was like, oh, that was nuts. I didn't say that, but I was thinking it. And those five guys, even though they're five to three, they turned around and walked away. The fight didn't go down that day. And let's be honest, it wasn't because I was there. (laughs) No way. That's exactly what God wants to do with your battles. Does that make sense? God wants to take his hand and say, no, 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 get behind me. Satan, you and me, let's go. He wants to step in. When depression rears its head, he wants to step in. When your marriage starts to tank, God wants to say, no, 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 come here. Let me step in. When when that substance or that alcohol or that pill or that, that habit or that thing that's been dragging you back for years is rearing its head and it's saying, yeah, come back to me, come back to me. You know the high you get from me. You got, and God says, no, 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 step back. Get it. I'm stepping in. See, God wants to step in just like my friends did because he wants to end the fight before it even happens. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of fight that I want to be in. And the question that I have for you today is this. Will you 
surrender in order to win the battle. How dumb would it have been for me to, ta- to, to, to grab my two friends who were way more equipped to fight the battle for me and shove them back and say, no, no, guys, I got this. Number one, they wouldn't have let me do it. They had my back. God has your back. He wants to step in. But the question is, will you let him? Will you let him fight your battles for you and with you? The battle is God's. Will you surrender to him? The battle belongs to the Lord. You know how we need to fight? We don't need to fight with fists clenched. We need to fight on our knees with our hands out and up and saying, God, I can't do this. The battle belongs to you. Let's pray. Lord, it's easy for us sometimes as humans to to fight in ways that the world has told us we're supposed to fight. It's easy for us to use physical, specific things to try to solve our problems. We very quickly go to physical things to to try to numb the pain and, and dull the senses or to go against other people. We use revenge and we go to alcohol and we go to drugs and we go to all these other things to medicate our, our battles and medicate our problems, to insulate us from the pain and the, and the hurt that we feel. But God, remind us that the battle that we are going into, the battle that we are facing, the battles that we are experiencing, that you have already won the battle. You declare this in your word that you are victorious. You're going to defeat sin and you're going to defeat Satan. You already have and you're going to again and you want to help us defeat it in our lives. Remind us today that the battle belongs to you and that the best way to fight is to fight on our knees, surrendered to you, allowing you to fight the battles with us and for us. You want to step in We just need to let you step ahead of us. So help us to trust you. Help us to surrender to you. And realize the battle belongs to you. We pray this. We ask this in your name, Jesus.